Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Have you ever wanted somebody to know something so bad it, it like hurts? Um, you know what I mean? I guess in the positive and even in the negative, you can see it. I always remember I was a little lad, like if you've heard me say, my dad was a building contractor. And in those days, there wasn't a separate plumber, a separate electrician, a separate plaster, a separate roofer. You know, a contractor did it all. My dad did it all, you know, with his team and what have you. But I'd come along as a little kid sometimes afterwards, my sisters, what have you, and dad would have them cleaning up the windows and what have you. And I always remember, you know, a couple of bare wires were sticking out from a plug socket. And you know what daddy said, Rod, don't touch those because I'm up there looking at them. You know, kind of like Sammy, Tommy's son, who's boogieing around here all this morning, you know, cracks me up. I love it. And to just see it wouldn't be like a little child, what God says, if you just be, he's just so excited. I mean, it's just such a joy to see that excitement in him. He just wants to boogie. But anyhow, you know, and I'm getting close to that stuff. And, and you know, my dad says, Rod, don't touch that. You'll get bit. You'll get bit. <laughs> you'll get burned, you know. But you know how we are, you know. And I kept walking back over there, <laughs> looking around, where's my dad? You know, one of those things. We've all done something similar. Rod, don't do that. I'm telling you, Rod, don't do that. You'll get bit. Don't do that. What do you mean, bit, Daddy? It's not a doggy. He said, you'll get bit. Trust me, just don't touch those wires. Well, how many of you know what I did? I promptly went over there, put my fingers out there, and bam, and and I got bit. My daddy didn't want me to get bit, but I got bit because I just went on and did it, like none of you have ever done. But in all serious this morning, I'm just saying, you know, as a, it sounds corny me saying it myself about being a spiritual father, but I, I am that in the, in the, that's the position that the Lord allows me and many of you are too to walk in. But what I'm trying to spit out is this morning, I just, I've, some of this stuff is so basic, it's so simple, but the more I've been studying and the more I keep reading and the more I keep listening, it just astounds me how many of us fail to discern that he is God and that when he says something, he means it. When he says something, he means it. His instruction is sure. I said his instruction is sure. From the little things to the incredible things, his instruction is sure. I really want you to hear me this morning as we go through a few things. Like I keep saying, you know, there are, the Bible only teaches two kingdoms. There is his kingdom. The Bible says that when you get born again, it says what? It says that he translates you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his dear love. Right? Two kingdoms. His kingdom is superior. What a revelation. <laughs> His kingdom is superior. But there is another kingdom down here, the kingdom of this world, which is he calls the kingdom of darkness. Every single day of your life, it is your choice which kingdom and which kingdom laws you will live by. Amen? The basics, 
that we all know if we've been around Christ very long. Matthew 6, 33. What's it say? It says, seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? And all these things that the Gentiles ask for will be given you also. But what that really says, and I've shared it here many times, but I just feel like I need to preface what I want to get into again. When it says, seek ye first the kingdom, that doesn't mean go to church. <laughs> like I used to thought it meant way back when. But it literally means when you study when you, what they call parse, you parse scripture, P-E-R-S-E, when you parse the scriptures and look at the words and what they mean, it means, it says, to discover, well, seek the kingdom of God and his rights, righteousness. But the word remember righteousness means right standing. It's a legal term. What it says is, find out how the kingdom functions. That's what you really have to hear. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom, he's saying, find out how the kingdom functions. Discover what it means to walk and to be in right standing with him. And then, and then, when you actually discover how it works, and you simply begin to put it to work, then all those things that even the world wants will be yours because they will come to pass, because I have put in motion laws, spiritual laws. You heard me say it before. There are natural laws. There are supernatural laws. The prefix super simply means a higher order, a more developed state, this, that, and the other. There are natural laws, like the law of gravity, which works every time, because it's an absolute law of physics. And like I always say, if a natural law is absolute, you can be sure that it functions even this morning. You may not understand it. Listen, you may not be able to get up here and give us a lecture on quantum physics or how gravity works, but you've discovered at some point in your life that the law of gravity works, haven't you? You've fallen on your blessed assurance at some point. You know what I mean? You have. But again, there are super natural laws. And like I've always said, if a natural law can be absolute, how much more absolute must a supernatural law be? And it's like having children and wanting to pound it in their head, would you please get this, honey? That's like telling Jamie over and over again, Jamie, Jamie, or like my daughter Anna, Anna, would you please hear this? So anyhow, I just want, as we start out this morning, I, want, I just want to go back to that truth. There are two kingdoms, my friends. And you're, it's your choice which one you operate in every single day. It would be wise if you learn to function as much as possible in the kingdom that is the kingdom of God. If you begin to function according to his laws. Because he is not a man that he should lie. And because he is this thing called love. He is not a harsh taskmaster. Everything that is good comes from God. God is altogether wonderful, altogether good. There's no mean spirit, no trace of anything angry in him. His only thoughts for you are thoughts for good. You know, even that right there, to actually receive that and suddenly believe it, it does change everything. It changes your entire attitude about life. But nevertheless, we are in a warfare between these two kingdoms. There's poles on us from each. God's trying to pull us with love. 
The kingdom of darkness is trying to pull us through its seductive power. It is seductive. In other words, it puts things in front of it. It, it ministers to your flesh. It ministers to the soulish parts of you. Come do this. Come do that. Come do this. Come do that. And you'll be satisfied. You'll have more life. Those things break my heart. That people will sell out to the flesh simply because they want things to happen quicker, faster, now. I want it now. And the thing we have to learn in Christ is we have to learn how he works. So now, let's turn to 1 Timothy, the first chapter, because I need to get after this. Hallelujah. And this is a verse that I, I found some of my old notes a long time ago, but you'll be familiar with this. 1 Timothy, chapter 1, and verse 18. Verse 18. Paul says this, Timothy, pastoral epistle. He said, this charge... An admonition, I commit and trust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with prophetic intimations which I formerly received concerning you, so that, now listen, so that inspired and aided by them, these prophetic intimations, these prophetic statements, these things that came to Timothy through Paul, he said, this charge and admonition I'm committing and trust to you, he said, in accordance with these prophetic intimations, which I received concerning you, so that inspired and aided by them, you may wage the good warfare. And he goes on to say, holding fast to faith, that lean into the entire human personality on God and absolute trust and confidence, having a good, clear conscience, and so on. But all I want to say as we get started this morning is this. Even the word prophecy, now, again, in the Old Testament, prophecy was foretelling more than anything. It was like, it would, almost all of it was in some shape or form speaking to the future. But in the New Testament, when you look at the word prophecy, thanks, Jeff, when you look at the word prophecy, it's nowhere near foretelling. It's actually forth-telling. It's actually speaking forth the known will of God. It's also indeed having a sense of inspiration, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for sure. And indeed, you can, you know, speak things over people that you sense from the Spirit. That will be things for the future. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is this, that most of the, listen, the Word itself speaks about Scriptures being God-breathed. Is that right? It says the Scriptures are God-breathed. It's the breath of God. In the book of Job, it speaks about there's the breath of God that gives understanding to us. But see, I, what we have to come back to is the breath of God is the Word of God. God's Word, all of it, is prophecy to you, particularly the New Testament. Actually, I should, I should say that about 98% of the New Testament is what we need to make. It is God's infallible Word to you. It is prophecy. In other words, you do not have to wait for me to lay hands and prophesy over you or someone else. When you go to this New Testament, God is speaking over you his will. Do you hear me? Seriously. Now, he says here that you might fight a good warfare, a good warfare, that you might fight a good warfare. Timothy, I'm trying to commit this to you. I want you to really hear me. Take these prophecies. Take these prophetic utterances. Take these good things that others may have spoken to you or take these good things that I have spoken to you through my word and fight a good warfare with them. This is what we fight with. Amen? 
Now, do any of you have like, have you kept count of like words that people have spoken over you or something, if you've journaled them or what have you? Those are things that you need to pull out time and time again. He said, fight a good warfare with these things that have been spoken over you. Now, it's your choice if you do it or not, but I'm trying to tell you it's a good thing to do. Hallelujah. Because that's what happens. So much, so much of this ties together. Is it not true that in, J- in the book of John, first, the very first few verses of the Gospel of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? See, somehow that has to hit us. God's Word is the revelation of Himself. When you apply God's Word to something, you're applying God to something. I said, when you apply God's Word to something, you're applying God to something. And this is what I'm saying as a father, and like he keeps saying, guys, you know, son, daughter, if you'll do that, this is the way this works. This is the way the kingdom functions. Keep the word in your mouth. Keep the word before you. And if God's word is God, like it says in the beginning was the word, the word is with God, and the word was God. Well, think about like one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 45, verses 1, 2, and 3. That's where God says, I will go before you and make crooked places straight. I will break in pieces gates of brass. I will cut asunder bars of iron. I'll grant you hidden riches out of secret places, treasures out of darkness. But see how he taught me back then is when he said I, well, I means God. God's going to do this, but God and his word are one. And if you can read like that, he said, it's my word that will go before you. Now, I want to catch this. I want you to catch this picture. God's word is supposed to be in front of you. You've got to catch this. See, here's you over here. Here's where God wants to bring you over here. Okay? Here's where he wants you. Here's your destiny. Here's where you are. Now, to get there, you've got to go through here. <laughs> and here, sometimes, there's, there's obstacles. In fact, most of the time, there's obstacles. There's things that are in the way. But a lot of people don't understand that's part of God's plan for your life. I think I'm, I'm just going to jump ahead because of time here. But I want you to see God's word in front of you. Now, and um, let, me, let me just let's see real quick. Exodus 13. If you can turn all the way. In fact, if you just put it up, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. Exodus 13, 17. This is when, you know, God's brought all of Israel out of Egypt. And he's about to take them across, you know. He's trying to get them to the promised land. You remember, it's an 11-day journey that took them 40 years. But look what it says here. It said, when Pharaoh let the people go, God, everybody say God. This, In other words, this is part of God's wisdom. God led them not by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God said, lest the people change their purpose when they see war and return to Egypt. In other words, God in his wisdom knew, it's like typology. When the people first came out of Egypt, it's a type and a shadow of people being first born again, first coming to Christ. And what he's saying there is he said, it's people are too young. I don't want to show them warfare too soon. Because if you show them the warfare that's in this world, too much of it too soon, he said they may want to go back to the world, right? So this is the thing you have to understand. God loves you so much that sometimes he'll take you around a problem. I said he'll take you around warfare. 
That's like in places where you'll see scripture where he says, you do not need to fight in this. I'm going to fight for you. He'll take you right around it. But sometimes, and at some point, as you grow older in Christ, you find out there's many things I have to go through. So you kind of catch this. There are some things God will go around for you, but there's other things God will take you through. But what you have to understand, if he takes you through something, that means he's equipped you to, to win the conflict. He won't allow you to go through something that you can't win. That's the basics of Corinthians when it says there is no temptation, test, or trial that has taken you that is not subject or is not common to man. Now, catch that. It says, but God will not allow you to be tempted, to be tested, or to be tried above your ability to handle it. But he will be faithful to always show you <clears throat> a way to get out of the thing. It says to a safe landing place. And what you have to understand is this. God won't allow anything to come at you that you can't handle. And that's a tough one for some of us. Because we all want God to just do it. You know what I mean? Something like Julie mentioned. I just want it now. Just do it now. Let's get over with it. If you're God, show yourself. God is a father. He's trying to equip you for life. And part of life is learning that you do have to learn how to handle conflict. You do have to learn how to handle things the way God wants you to. And let me just I'm going to continue and read a couple things off my notes. The word of the Lord, like I said, is supposed to go before you. Okay? To get, let me just read what I put down there. To get to where God wants to take you, you will have to fight the good fight of faith, whether you like it or not. Sometimes we're simply to receive God's gift like a child. Other times we have to know how to take it by force. You know, the difference between Matthew, Mark 10, rather than Mark 11. Mark 10 says you receive it as a, just receive things as a loving child. Mark 11 is a verse where it talks about, uh, you know, sometimes the kingdom of God suffers violence and you've got to learn how to take it. And so what I'm trying to get at here this morning is you have to discern the season you're in. Is this a season of warfare or is this a season of rest? When it's a season where you need to war, you need to war. You can't just sit down and relax. But just like that, when it comes to things like spiritual warfare, sometimes it's a season to rest. And you're just going to flail aimlessly if you want to get up and try to fight when God says, no, I want you to rest right now. I'm going to deal with some stuff. And a lot of the Christian journey is learning just that. What season am I in? What season am I really in? Am I in a place of warfare right now? Am I in a place of rest? I, I'm looking at Clark's commentary, and he made this statement about that passage, and he said this, we argue, this maybe I shouldn't even mention, but what? he said, we argue from what a man is to what he will be. That's 18th century language, but he said, we argue from what a man is to what he will be. And basically, he's talking about we know where we are, but our conversation will take us to where we're supposed to be. Our conversation will take us to where we're supposed to be. Uh, as you know, I taught for like, what, five weeks while back on this thing I called Earthbound about God's Word and how it's meant to go before us, but it's really powerful. Let me just read again. You have to see God's Word going in front of you, hitting the warfare, the obstacle, before we get there. God's word is to go in front of us. You have to get this picture. He wants to get you here, but you're here. 
But the way you get here is to keep his truth, these prophetic utterances, God's word, words that people have spoken over you. You've got to keep them continually here because that's the stuff that's going to carve out your destiny. It's going to cut through this and take you where you're supposed to go. I remember, again, a verse that we look at so much in Ephesians 6 where it talks about, you know, the armor of God. One of my, I, this is an incredibly powerful scripture to me about prayer. And there's that one place where it says, remember, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But put that verse up in the Amplified if you would put it up there. Take the sword of the Spirit. I think it's verse 17. I'm not sure. But remember, the word for word, the Greek word for word there is that word rhema. It's not logos in the Greek. It's the word rhema. And remember that rhema is very different. How many, does anybody here who does not know what rhema means? Almost everybody's heard. Okay, well, this brother. Okay, you're honest. I appreciate it. The word rhema means that which is like uniquely spoken to you from the logos. The logos means the whole book, the whole word of God. But literally, W.E. Vines, I can quote it, like I said, literally, because I've taught it so many years. But the W.E. Vines Dictionary describes the word rhema as this. It says, not the whole word of God, as in Logos, but that individual scripture. Really listen. The individual scripture, which the Holy Spirit brings up into your remembrance for use in time of need. The prerequisite being the regular storing of the mind of Scripture. So rhema, a rhema is that word that suddenly comes up, that's quickened. Boom, you've got this word. This verse, some, I remember back in the days when I first started, it would be amazing to me that I didn't even remember ever reading it, but a Scripture would just jump up in me, and I'd find myself praying this word. And I thought, man, I don't, didn't even know I knew that Scripture. But I had to learn over the years that was a rhema. That was something, but I didn't still, even then, I didn't recognize that it had great power. I just thought, well, uh, you know, a scripture came up. <laughs> but this verse, look at this. It says, take the helmet of salvation. This is all we need to look at is this part. And this, but this is what I like to amplify because this is how it's rendered or parsed in the Greek. And take the sword that the spirit wields, which is the rhema of God. Now, what this speaks to in our life as Christians, and as we walk out, and as we pray, as we commune before God, and what have you, he says very clearly that God's word, you know, like in Hebrews 4, it says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the thing that can pierce between, pierce and cut asunder between the soul and the spirit, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He says it's a sword. But here, you see, what I had to get the picture of back there in all the days I'm teaching on prayer is it says that I part of my armor is to take the sword that the spirit wields. And suddenly I, I saw something. It's the spirit that's going to have the sword in his hand. That's his part. But my part is to have a rhema. If I don't have a word from God, the Holy Spirit has no sword with which to fight my battles. Did you hear that? I'm going to say it again. If I don't have a rhema, if I don't have something that I know, that I know, that I know is the will of God, the Spirit has no sword 
nothing in his hand with which to fight our battles. But this is why it thrills me to know, like again, Paul said to Timothy, you fight a good warfare. You need to understand this is how you'll fight a good warfare. And I would suggest to you, for my days of sadly getting in fights and stuff like that, that a good warfare is one that you win. Amen? Don't fall asleep on me, Paul. All right? I'm not, I know you're lying. I'm just playing. But think about the power of that. You see, I need Ramus. This is why I'm saying if God indeed has spoken words over you, don't take them lightly. Don't take them lightly. I've, just the other day, I mean, it's so funny. We've had people come up and like they said, that just, just a word in passing that Julie spoke to them that set the course of their life for the next two years. And that's happened, I don't know how many times, just the last couple of weeks. Julie sometimes would just have a single little statement, just a word, and it'll take them, take them forever. I've had the same by God's grace, you know, thing happened to me so often when you don't even realize how strong it is. But when it comes from heaven, it's meant to bless and help you and aid you along your way. Aided by these, inspired by these, you will wage a good warfare. But what really thrills me is to know any day of the week, Rod can look in the New Testament and find God's will that's written, and that's prophecy to me. And that's like, for real, I really can pray, pray uh, you know, Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all my needs. I really can pray. It's really thrilling to me, like you've heard me say over the last couple of months, you know. I live in God's household. You know, that just came alive to me. I live in God's house. And my God is kind of wealthy. There's no lack of resources there. And so you have to couple that within the strong revelation of how much he adores you, how much he loves you, how much he'll do anything for you. You're now, you know, we we are actually, it says, the blood, what, how, what a, Behold, what manner of love this is that the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. And see, it's so easy to quote that, but like I said, when suddenly that I am a son of God. I'm telling you, it changes the way you walk. But I'm telling you, you have to work on this every day. I was really blessed. I was watching something by Bill Johnson a couple of days ago, and he said something. I like his transparency. He said, if you want to know the truth, he said, every day, he said, I'm just five to ten minutes away from the meltdown. I'm five or ten minutes away from meltdown. If I listen to wrong thoughts, if I start entertaining thoughts about me that are not from God, he said, I can, if I'm not careful, give place to those things, and it just spins me in a downward spiral. And he said, the problem with that is, and he said, well, it might take me ten minutes to melt down. It takes me a week or two to climb back up. And this is why you learn to catch this stuff quick. You nail it. You say, no, these are not my thoughts. No, 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 no. I don't think lack. I don't think death. I don't think, I don't think that. Those are not my thoughts. My heavenly father does not have any thoughts negative toward me. He loves me. And again, you really got to catch this. Yes, he knows how dumb you are sometimes. So relax. He knows that you still make mistakes. He knows how far from perfect you are. He really does know that. If that, if that was a qualification for God to move in your life, then we'd all be done for. Remember, there's never been a perfect man or woman. God uses imperfect people. You really have to catch that because hell's job is to get you to meditate on where you fall short. 
Think about it all the time. You know, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. This is bad. This is bad. Oh, my, you know, I suck. I'm just stupid. I'm horrible. I'm dirty. I'm a man. God, no wonder I can't bless me. I can't. Oh, my God, I can't. You know, whatever just hell just gets you to magnify. It's like Goliath and David and Goliath. I used to love to teach on that. The thing about Goliath is this. Remember, it says in Scripture that Goliath, listen to me, that Goliath presented himself to the army of Israel, it says, day after day, day after day, day after day. And it says he said the same thing day after day, day after day about challenging you. Who among you can fight, man? I mean, you bunch of sissies. You guys are a bunch of dogs. You can't do anything. And you see, every one of us, if we're honest, there is a Goliath that taunts us every day. He looks bigger he looks so big. How could we ever defeat this? We've had, you know, my God. And this is why all of Israel just sat around talking about how big he is. But only one man said, so what? See, this is the difference between going forward in faith and staying where you are. You can look at how big an issue looks and you'll go nowhere if you keep looking at it. Do you hear me? But something, see, there needs to be a different spirit in you, like that spirit that was in Joshua and Caleb. You have to have a different spirit. And you realize, I'm not going to listen to him. What is, you know, in David's heart. And well, I mean, how incredible is this guy? They say he was about five foot four. And at that day, he, at that time, they say he was around 16 or 17 years old. And he walks up in the middle of the camp. You remember the story? That cracks me up. And he walks up and he hears this, that, you know, whoever defeats this guy, the king's going to give him all these treasures, going to give him one of his daughters, her wife, and all this. And David, you know, he's still, he's still a little flesh in him. He says, what's going to be given to the guy that defeats this? You say, what? That's what it says. And David turns and says, what? Do and he asks a couple of people. Then his brothers, the big, they're all bigger than him. They get mad at him. Who do you, what are you doing here? You know you just come out here to watch the battle. Who are you, you sheep herder, you? You know, man, get out of here. And David says, oh, no, I'm, what's the matter? I'm just asking, what will be done for the person that takes down this guy? Well, it'll be, the king's going to put it, give him this, give him that, give him a kingdom, you know, give him his own daughter and shower him with gold and riches. And then David makes that statement, and you see, it's easy to preach, but we've got to get it interpreted, translated. You know, it all comes back to knowing that Christ is in us. It's knowing, it's, it's knowing the name Emmanuel, and I don't mean Edwards. Uh, it is knowing God is with me. See, it's so easy to say that, isn't it? It's so easy. God is with me. But remember what David said. He looked at this guy and he said, who, and it's, you know, very powerful teaching because he uses the word uncircumcised. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And see, again, there's so many, I, can't, I don't want to go there because it's too much of a teaching. But, you know, when he said uncircumcised, what he meant is this guy has no covenant. We are God's covenant people. I am God's son. That means it makes no difference if I'm five foot four and this guy's seven foot ten. I said it makes no difference if my problem, if rather my apparent skills are at, you know, 3.4 and the apparent enemy that's coming against me is 2,000 pine, you know, 2,248. The issue, he said, is, wait a minute. No. 
I mean, can you imagine that that actually happened? You know, this isn't just a church, I mean, a church story. This short little guy who'd been spending time singing songs to God in the wilderness, working with sheep. But something was at work in him that was bigger than his five foot four. It was God. God had showed himself alive to him. And you, you know this testimony. You know, a lion took a sheep, and I went out and took it out of its mouth. And a bear took a sheep, and I took it by the beard, and I smote it. <laughs> like I told you before, I grew up in the mountains. I've been around bears, and I ain't seen one bear yet that I want to run up and take by the beard and smote it. I guarantee you, that's not, I did not want to run up and get close and personal with one of these Kodiaks, you know what I mean? Much less a Grizz. No way. You know, the you know, five-inch claws. So you know. But David had something in him. But see what I'm, you know, what can I say? I know I can't. I'm just preaching the same thing over and over again. So God help us wake up to who is in us. What we have, we've got God's written word. They didn't have it back then. We have a more sure word of prophecy. I said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. All I have to do is understand that if God said do something, well, first of all, the first thing hell's going to do is tell you why you can't. It's going to bring up all the reasons where you lack the, the abilities, where you lack the money, you lack, you lack, you lack, you lack, you lack, you lack, whatever it is. That's hell's job. And hell is on its job all the time. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Find out how his kingdom operates. He said, I know that. He said, but you need to get a rhema. Just go to my word. This is, this is why, my friends, there's no shortcut about this. You need to stay in the book. Like I've been saying, I am in this book every morning. I, with all humility, am delighting myself in this book. It changes your entire outlook. It changes your life. You keep hiding this word in your heart. You keep hiding. You have no idea what's happening, but on the inside, you're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Change is happening. Change. You cannot actually slow down and look and read the word of God without change happening on the inside. I said, you cannot sit down and give quality time to reading God's word and not be changed on the inside. Moses didn't know his face shone. You won't know what's happening to you, but it's happening to you. I said, it's happening to you. And you must trust this. Wisdom begins to come to help you make wiser decisions in business. Some of you are just one proclamation away from your victory. Some of you are just one decree or proclamation away from the victory that you need. You're like one scripture away. That's amazing to me. See, my hope is my prayer, like I said, every Sunday, Father, may yeah, I don't care if it's just one person, may one person catch that one seed, that one thing that is rhema to them that bless God gives the Holy Spirit a sword to fight in their life. You know what I mean? And take the sword which the Spirit wields. See, I get to wield it, but he gets to wield it. But that's what goes before us. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. Well, I and God's word are the same. If you'll let 
God's word go before you, God's word will make your crooked places straight. I know this. It took me out of heroin addiction. It took me out of a life of crime. In other words, this is not theory for me. It delivered me from heroin addiction. It delivered me from going back and forth into prison. It delivered me from all kinds of things that I was this close to getting back into. But God's Word. But God. And again, you have no idea how much that means to me. But you know, it, see, it's, it's, I've worked it and it's worked. God's Word will work, but it is some work. And in other words, like I said, I, there are times that God will take you right around a problem. But most of the time, he wants to take you through it because he wants you to show you. He wants to show you what he can do through you, not for you. And you got to catch that. There's a lot of things God's, God will do for you, but he really delights in doing things through you. Because that's when he gets to show his partnership with you, his sonship, his daddyhood. I'm your dad, you're my son, you're my daughter. We're going to do this together. Hallelujah. We're going to do See, that's what delights. That's, that's where he... That's where you give God joy. So you fight a good warfare by letting this stuff go before you. We fight our wars with the known will of God. God's word is the known will of God. Now Judges chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Judges chapter 3, 1 and 2. You see this curious truth about this. I'll wait till you get it up there. Look at this. Now these are the nations. Now listen to the truth, what God says about this. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. That is, all in Israel who had not previously experienced war in Canaan. Next verse. It was only that the generations of the Israelites might know and be taught war, at least those who previously knew nothing of it. Now, do you catch what he's saying there? You see, guys, this is what I discovered. There are some things you only learn in times of conflict. There are some things you will not learn any other way than, th than when you're in warfare. The classic illustration of this is like a, a baby chick, like on our, where we live, we had 5,000 chickens, 5,000 white leghorns, and we used to, you know, raise pullets, you know, pullets of small babies. In other words, we had um, incubators, you know, for the babies, all the little chicks, you know, as a little guy I used to love. There's nothing cuter than holding brand new born chickies, you know, they're just that, Oh, my gosh, they're so fluffy and furry, and it makes you feel like a sissy, but it's still fun. Anyhow. But, you know, the basic truth, remember, about birth is that they have to, they have a warfare to get born. Remember, this is so basic. They have to keep pecking that shell while they're on the inside to get out of that shell. If you break the shell for them, they won't have the strength to live. They'll die. I sadly did that as a young boy. I'd break the shell. I was all excited. But that, every time that chick would die. No, the very issue of them having to fight their way out is what gave their little body strength, is what got the blood pumping in their little wing structure and body structure that caused them to live. That's just a fact. It's the fight that brought forth life. So there's some things you will only learn in a fight. This is why you don't, you don't run from a fight like David. You run to it. But you run to it like he did 
I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. See, David by himself would have got his butt whipped. Excuse me, but right? He would have. Goliath would have chewed him up for cereal, man, had him for lunch. But see, the Holy Ghost in you will give you a strategy. I said the Holy Ghost in you will give you a strategy. He'll give you a word. And again, like I said, you've got words written out for you already that says you can do all things through Christ who will strengthen you. And even that word, and remember even that scripture there, so often we say I can do all things through Jesus, but it says through Christ. And notice it says I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. If it was a who, why didn't it say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Because it's not talking about a person per se. Christ means the anointing. And what it's saying is I can do all things through the anointing which strengthens me. Do you catch that? Do you really catch that? You're filled with God's Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that was there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. That's what thrills me. He was there in the beginning, Jack. He was there in the beginning. He's the one that took God's word when he said, light be. Took light and made light with it. That's what Isaiah 43 says. It, God, his, God spoke and his spirit gathered the words and created with God's word. I love that picture. God spoke. The Holy Spirit gathered the word light, gathered the word be, and went voom, and made light with it. The Holy Spirit is the creative aspect of the Trinity. God's word is the fuel that he creates with. So as Rod keeps God's word in his mouth and as Rod keeps God's words in front of him as I'm heading towards my destiny, I'm giving the fuel, I'm supplying the fuel for the Holy Ghost to do the work. You see, we've heard this message over and over again from many different angles. And I hope we're gonna continue to hear it forever because it is the Bible truth. Do you hear me? It is the truth. What do we do? Just stop teaching it? This is how the kingdom works. God's word, he intended for it to be the sword that slices through your issues. But I don't want to fight. Well, I'm sorry you get to fight. Really, I'm sorry. Nobody likes to fight. But the fact is, again, you will gain more insight through going through obstacles than you will ever gain if somebody else does the work for you. That's a hard lesson when you pray for people because a lot of people in the old days, I had this reputation. I don't know, that sounds corny, but I mean, whatever. People would come to me a lot for prayer because a lot, a lot of stuff was happening. I'd pray things would happen by God's grace. And uh, we were teaching, this is back in California, and we're teaching on this and this, one, one young girl, her name was Rosie, I'll never forget her, a Mexican-American girl. She came up and she was telling me about this friend of hers who had this, you've heard me share this, had this huge thyroid goiter on her neck, the big thing, about the size of a grapefruit, just like that. And she kept saying, Pastor, I come with you. I want you to come and pray. You come and pray for her. Come lay hands on her. Come pray for her. Come speak to this thing. And, you know, a lot of times I just go with people and pray, and that's great. And I'm not trying to sound like super spiritual, believe me. That's, you know, that's what was going on in those days of my life. And um, I just thought, no, Rosie, no. I said, how about this? I'm going to go with you. But I said, you speak to this thing. You deal with it. It's not time for me to deal with it. 
It's time for you to grow up. You need to see this is this is you need to see the spirit of God in your own life. This will work, but you just need to work it. Quit. Dr. Lester Sumrall, who's one of the best, he was one of my teachers for a long time back in those days. He probably walked with more authority on the planet Earth than any minister I'd ever seen. I mean, he was a trip. He'd walk up to any t- flight. He'd walk up and airline people at desks, chicken desks, would just look at him and start to fumble. I mean, literally, and he would get bumped up to first class over and over again, almost for the last 15 years of his life. He never said a word. He was just... He had this authority on him, this mantle, man, and people would just freak out because you could see it. But he used to teach this message called, Whose Faith Are You Living By? And the word, um, are you living by Deji's faith? Living by Kenneth Copeland's faith? You living by Bill Johnson's faith? Or do you have your own? You know what I mean? Who's, whose faith are you living by? And see, this is why God loves you so much. He won't let you get free from somebody else by somebody else's great anointing sometimes. Because it's time for you to fight. It's time for you to grow up. I took Rosie up to this hospital, went up there, and big old ugly thing, man, if you've ever seen one. Big, I mean giant, like grapefruit right there, you know. And I sat there, and she said, and she kept looking at me, and I said, Rosie, speak to that thing. She said, what? And so I just said, I just told her, speak to that thing, curse it in the name of Jesus and command it to wither and die. And she did. She just said, and she, she was shaking. She went, uh, uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I curse this in his name and I command it to wither and die. And it went, Poof! and it just instantaneously was gone, just like that. Now, she did a dance that you're not supposed to do in hospitals. <laughs> She just flipped out, man, running around just thrilled and excited, want to have you. But why am I telling you that? Like I said, it's not, it's just that don't run away from fights. I, you know, this is why a lot of people don't, they don't even want to be a Christian. They don't want to come to church because if they want to go to a church where everything is done for them, it's true. I'm going to go someplace where everything is smooth and easy. I'll put my kids in there. I don't have to worry about it. I just put my young people here. And I can sit here. Nobody bothers me. And I'll listen to a couple of the songs. And that preacher, best God, better not go over 23 minutes. I got a roast in the oven. You know, and that's the way a lot of churches function, don't they? Um. See, we can just never do that. I'm not, God has not anointed me. This, oh, my Father, don't let, how do I say this? God's anointing on me is not to be a sheep herder, per se. His anointing on me really is to create spiritual warriors. People that are going to rise up in him, actually recognize who they're called to be. And actually become world changers. You see, whatever world you're in, you can change. Whatever world you're in, you do not have to let it be a bigger influence on you. You just say, forget that. No. You see, leadership's come time is something you choose. It's not something you become. And God allows you to become more of that which you will 
humbly choose for yourself to be involved in. And there's some things you just choose. You make the decision. I'm the one that's in authority here. Now, see, this is not arrogance. I'm not talking about walking around being arrogant in some board meeting or something. I'm talking about just when you wake up and realize who lives in you, what I'm mantled with, whose authority I actually have on the inside of me. And you learn to say no to some things. That's just what happens. You, bless God, begin to say no. You realize that no thought has power over you, really. You can rebuke those thoughts anytime you want, and they will leave. I'm telling you, I know that to be true. You just rebuke those things. Oh, I tried that and didn't. No, you didn't. You don't try it, you do it. And it can be, like I said, it is warfare for a season, but I'm telling you right now, God is big enough. <laughs> there ain't one of you that he's designed to fail. You understand that? Every single one of you has been ordained by heaven to be a more than a conqueror. And that comes through your faith. But you can't separate faith in your mouth. Faith comes out your mouth. Faith comes out your mouth. So this is a time for war. Oh my God almighty, I need to stop or I'm going to have warfare. But that Judges 3 thing, isn't it interesting? He said he left them, he left certain nations there that they might learn more because they hadn't experienced war yet. In other words, it was his will. You have to learn how to fight. There are times when God wants to do things for me, and there are times when he wants to do things through me, like I already said. Then there's other times when we need to know how to rest. And like I said, in Exodus 13, 17, it says God led them around the Philistines because he was concerned that they would change their purpose if he doesn't take us around the conflict, it's because he's equipped us to win the conflict. I said if he doesn't take us around the conflict, it's because he's equipped us to win the conflict. There's some things that I'm only going to learn in a fight or in a rest. The key, listen to this, is to be so anchored in what God has said that nothing else is appealing The key is to be so anchored in what God had said that there's nothing else that is appealing. The only time the devil's words are appealing is when I have lost sight about what God has said about me. The only time the devil's words are appealing to me is when I've lost when I've lost sight about what is God about what God has said about me. Do you know what God said about you? You're the head or not the tail. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed going out. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Anything that rises up against you, you will condemn because your righteousness is a means, says the Lord. See, we need to take those verses that we quote so easily and quote them far more better, far stronger. We need to quote them from a place of faith. They are swords in our mouth and in the hand of the Holy Ghost that will go before you and make your crooked places into straight places. They will uncover hidden riches for your life. They will show you places where the great treasure is. So that's the thing about fighting. But then there's the other issue, like I said, about um, 
about rest. You have to know when it's time to rest. And that's like 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 where it says, Therefore, humble yourself, demote, lower yourself in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he might exalt you by casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Now, that's been one of the toughest things in my life to deal with, to cast all my care, all my anxiety, all my worries. See, everybody in here has had incredible opportunity to have much anxiety, much fear, much concern. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? But there comes a time when God says, I want you to cast. And the word cast is an interesting word. It literally means to hurl, to throw. It speaks of an aggressive act. And it's actually a shepherding term of when a little sheep that's being born is like having a breech birth and you have to reach in and, and they would literally pull on the legs and pull that little baby sheep out and hurl it. And when the thing would hit the ground, it would, it would, sorry, when the, when the thing would hit the ground, it would bounce and it caused its lungs to breathe and the thing would live. And he said, we have to cast our cares, all our anxieties, all our worries, all our concerns over on him, for he will care for you watchfully, affectionately. He'll do it for you. But we all know what that's like. It's like I used to, when I teach in the Bible schools and stuff, you know, have a pair of keys, have a pen here. I'd like, I'd say, this is my care, like my glasses, and I'd throw it over to Julie. Well, okay, I'm going to cast my care. So I throw my my care over there. Now Julie's got it. So if somebody, if I've really done that, well, if somebody comes up and says, Rod, what are you going to do about that broken car? I'll say, I don't have the care. Am I telling the truth or am I lying? Well, I mean, if I've given it to her, I don't have it. Right? Right? And so I can honestly say, I don't have a care. And I can smile. Hallelujah. But how many of you know if then the second person walks up and says, Rod, what are you going to do about this? And you go, well, I don't have a care. I don't know. It'll work out. And then the third person comes up and says, Rod, what are you going to do about your car? And you go, well, you know, um, and about the fifth or the sixth person, suddenly you can do this. You find yourself going closer and closer back to Julie, and you do what? You take the care back. And now it's back in your hands. Listen, if it's in your hands, it ain't in God's hands. You got to catch that. But it takes courage sometimes because you think you have to figure it out. Because the real issue is, you know, because then you can say you had the brains to do it. And this is why learning when to rest is some of the greatest warfare that you'll ever go through. Because there's something in you, I, you know, I want to be doing it. And he says, I know you want to be doing, but right now I want you to be a human being. Just be. Don't do. Quit trying to do. Right now I want you to be. Just be. Relax. Be with me. (sighs) That's tough, man. But nevertheless, he says, you know, to cast all your anxieties, all your worries, to get to that place where you go, I, you know, my God has not given me a spirit of fear. I'm not going to freak out. Well, do you know what you're going to do? No, I don't, but I know he's for me. I know just like I've gone through other things that I did not see any way how it was going to come out. But you know what? Here I am on the other side. I came out of that. I will come out of this too. 
It's just attitude. You realize God is for me. I'm in this thing called life. And in this life, there's a lot of mess. Yeah, there just is. Right? Anybody discovered that besides me? In this life, you will have tribulation. It, you know, Jesus didn't even have to write that. But he did because he knew how dumb we'd be. <laughs> in this world, you will, you will have tribulation. So he said, what do you say next? So he said, you better panic and get freaked out. You need to worry as hard as you can. Is that what he said? Come on. Does it, he, that's what he said, right? He said, you know, you're going to have tribulation. So you need to worry. You need to sweat. You need to join the army. I mean, you need to do something right now. You know what I mean? No, he's not crazy. He knows the power behind rest. He said, but be of good cheer. Think about that. I'm going to be of good cheer. The whole world is going to hell. And he wants me to give me, be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world already of the power to actually harm you. See, if you're born again, you're my child. You've gained eternal life already. The only thing they could do, the worst they could do is kill you. And if they killed you, you'd be in my presence instantaneously. So they really can't do anything to you. Your ticket's punched. You're on the way to heaven. Relax. Don't freak out. But well, it's just that you got to, that's got to be in here though, doesn't it? It's easy to preach, huh? Easy to preach. Easy to preach. Bless God. It's easy to preach. But like I said, you're looking at somebody that has to deal with this all the time. I mean, nobody's, nobody on planet earth is exempt. I don't know who your favorite preacher, favorite big time healer, teacher is. They all still on this earth. They going through it. They go through stuff. But now I'm just trying to finish with this. I want you to see God's plan has never changed. He's trying to get you here to your destiny. And so, but you got to go through here. And his plan, you cannot get away. His plan is to take these words that God has spoken over you or the known will that you read for yourself and to keep them in front of you and fight a good warfare with those. You're going to have a good warfare. You're going to win. You're going to be successful when you keep that truth there. Because remember, I know this is so simple, but it changed my life like 28 years ago. He said, son, you're looking at the facts. You're looking at what is a fact. I'm not asking you to deny the fact. But he said, I'm trying to get you to look at the truth. He said, my word is truth. He said, facts change. Truth never changes. If you keep applying the truth to the fact, the fact will have to change because the truth won't change. Truth is anointed. It's eternal. Facts aren't eternal. They're temporal. They're subject to change. Now, that's, it's just so flipping powerful, but you actually have to catch that. That's why I'm not going to deny the fact that there's a problem right now, but I'm going to deny the problem to have more authority over me than God's Word has in me. You see what I'm saying? Oh, you're so thrilled and happy now. I can see it. Hallelujah. Habakkuk 2.1 is that wonderful verse first, where it says, I will stand upon my watch. And I will set me upon the tower, and I will watch and see what he will say to me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. This means, what it's saying there, when you look at it, it means you've got to find that place where you're at peace, you're watching, and you're waiting. Okay, Lord, I'm going to wait until I hear further instruction. Until I hear further instruction. Then Habakkuk 2.3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. 
And that's the one thing we speak out of. But look at the next words. But at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry. In other words, though it hasn't happened yet. The prophet flat out says, wait for it, for it will surely come. And then he says, it will not tarry. There's so many scriptures on waiting. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Here's Proverbs 133 in the Message Bible. Listen to this, Proverbs 133 in the Message. First, pay attention to me and then relax. Now you can take it easy because you're in good hands. <laughs> you can take it easy because you're in good hands. Hallelujah. Luke 12, 29. This is the message too. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. This is Jesus speaking from the Message Bible. What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. Listen to this. Not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Not to be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over all these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. You're God's friends. Hallelujah. So what this is all about is like when Jesus said this. I'm finished now. Everybody can just rejoice. Hallelujah. Thank God. There's something else I wanted to say, but I forget about it. But, you know, is when Jesus said, I am the door. Anyone who enters in through me will be saved, will live. He will come out and he will go out freely and he'll find green pasture, find pasture. And what I like about that so much is that's something I had to learn years ago as well. He will come in and he will go out. And the Lord said to me, this is something all, um, all my children have to learn. There's a time to go in, but then there's a time to come out. He said, if you listen to me, I'll teach you when to move, when to go into something fresh. And he said, then you need to hear me when it's time for you to come out. I had a guy that was in banking and stocks in some shape, whatever, I forget, I don't even know, I don't know the terminology in finance, but anyhow, long story short, a guy back in California. And, um, and for, this is a verse, it's like a, like a prophecy that God gave me to give him through this. And I said, you know, if you will, I said, do you think God knows when stocks are going to go up and stocks are going to go down? And he said, yeah, he probably does. <laughs> See, anything in life you have to release faith for. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. His name was Barry. I said, Barry, why don't you and I pray? And quite frankly, just remember like Julie said when she found that little advertisement that said impresario needs secretary, and she had no idea it was Brian Epstein, and the secretary of the Beatles. Just happened upon it. Don't you know God can cause you to just happen upon something? Can make you a multimillionaire. You can just happen upon it. But you gotta have ears that are open. And say, so let's pray, Barry, that God will show you exactly when to invest and when to pull that money back out. When to do this and when to do that. 
gosh, 19, let me think, 1976, 78. I'm just trying to think. This is in 1980. Yeah, because I graduated Raymond in 1978. I was in that church, 78, 79, 80. It was like just like mid-1980. And um, anyhow, when I gave him that word. But he applied it. He went, he said, Father, you know, I, I'm asking. You have not because you asked not. Holy Spirit, show me. And he looked at these stocks, he said to me later, and he said he'd just see one jump out at him. And oftentimes he said it'd be something that was obvious, but he said other times, he said, this is stupid. My head said, are you crazy? But he said, I had that little stuff that, you know, like we'd been taught, when you, that's something on the inside, that's the Holy Ghost. It says, yeah. That was mid-1980, and uh, the last I heard of him, he's living in New Orleans, and he's, he is a multi-multi-millionaire. And then at that time, he was just one of us, if you know what I mean. Hearing the voice of God. Well, the number one way you'll begin to hear the unknown will of God is when you begin to be obedient to the known will of God. If you could catch that. I want to know the will of God in this. Well, God wants you to know his will in this precise situation too. But will you be obedient to what you already know to be the will of God in your life? Because that's what shows him you're a serious candidate. Amen? But he'll teach you how to go in and come out. He'll teach you what to do because that's how good he is. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for war, there's a time for peace. As believers, we need to learn war. We need to learn when to rest. To be out of sync only causes confusion. We can also learn how to be at peace during warfare. And understand that when we're resting in God's peace, that is warfare that frustrates our enemies no end. So I'm just telling you this. I just, I'm just trying to get this across to you, like I said, like a dad. I know you want to get here. And I know that you're here right now. God knows that. The way his kingdom works is for you to take that sword, which the spirit wields. Keep it in your mouth. Find out what God says. And let that word go before you, literally. You've got to see, I'm here. My destiny is there but I'm going to keep God's word here. I'm not going to keep confusion here. I'm not going to take the words of the day. I'm not going to take doubt. I'm not going to keep thinking negative about this. God loves me. And I'm going to get there. (laughs) You know, I wish I had 14 hours to go further on that aspect. Um, I know what it's like when God says something. I'm done. I really am, but I'm still going to sit for a split second anyhow. Everybody take a deep breath. (gasps) I know what it's like to hear something. And instantly the devil says, that's you. That's not God. That's just you wanting something good for yourself. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's when the great fight of faith comes. And I mean, oh, yeah, that's not me. I I mean, that's that's just me. You know, that's me. Like I said, when God spoke to me, like I said last time, and uh, well, God, I think this was February, like he said about this church, he said he told me to quit. Don't even quit thinking about this church being a small church. He said, you're a big church. You just don't realize it. He said, you're going to have to wake up to the fact that there's big people, and it's a big church, and I've got big things for these big people to do. He said, for it to be that. You see, you have to see it before you got it. You can't have it till you can see it. But he said to me, Hundreds of people 
I'm releasing hundreds of people to you because they need to hear the word of the Lord that comes from this church and they need to partake of the worship that I'm allowing to grow in this church. Therefore, do not fear, for you will see my great and mighty hand. Now, see, I heard that. Rod hasn't heard a lot of... I'm, I'm, I'm not like one of these people that hears something every 30 seconds like some guys seem to do. But I heard that in like back in October, like I said, when God woke me up supernaturally so bright awake at 3.30 in the morning in October and said, my, days, my wilderness day is over. And like I said, he took me back, showed me to the flipping day, actually to the 24-hour period. I was saved 40 years to the day at that moment when I woke up. There's no way I was thinking about that. It had to be supernatural. I went, wow. And he just yelled at me. Your wilderness days are over. You're now in the promise. Now, see, at times, if I let my, if I get a little tired, I know nobody else does here, get a little weary, get a little tired, and I'll get ready and I want to speak this out because it's part of the, it's some of the, it's some of my armor now. I'm fighting a good warfare. I'm fighting my particular Rod Anderson warfare with these prophecies, these statements that God has said. But what I'm trying to get at is this. You see, we don't believe how good God is. We think, no, 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 There's, I'm too ugly, too mean. I've made too many mistakes for God to say something that good about me or that good for me or that he's going to do this through me. And so instantly you shift to the soul instead of the spirit. And you, that's where the real fight comes. No. And this is what people, you got to understand. See, we think this is like unspiritual. Like a Bill Johnson will say, Chris, what have you. If somebody gives, let's say, my pal a great word, if it's a great word, you can take that word. <laughs> and see, that really upsets the religious mind. Well, how come you do that? That went to him. Well, no, no. If it's good and it came from God, it's good for me too. I'm not saying that if God says to Mike that he's going to start a church in Kenya, you know, the next three months. <laughs> And that's good for you too. But I'm saying you just gotta, you just gotta see God is that good. He speaks good things over. He wants you to exercise your faith muscle. Dare to believe that He wants to do good stuff to you, through you, in you, for you. Hallelujah. And my final statement is going to be this: I know we're in England. Hallelujah. And we don't have a whole lot of English people here. I know my beloved wife, and I know Mike and Sheila are, and some others, and there's a few. I think there's a couple of English people in here. Jason's English, I know, but I can tell by the way he laughs. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to have, it is war. When it's war, if you've ever actually been in something, you'll understand how powerful a shout is. What I'm trying to say is you'll get loud. And that's against our nature maybe as little people. But I want to tell you, sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is to get alone. Even if it's in your car, shut the doors, whatever. Don't freak out. And I mean, you've got to scream it. I said, you've got to yell it. I mean, you've got to yell it. I'm concerned. I mean, because I, I, there's a big scream on the inside of me right this second. I'm trying not to do it with a microphone. But seriously, you do. You just have to. You just have to. You tell it, no. This is who my God is. You, how dare you come against me? 
In the name of Jesus Christ, whom I serve, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I am a blood-bought covenant man of God. I am a blood-bought covenant man of God. It may not look like, you may look at me on the outward and say, I don't see it working. I don't care what you say. I know what I see. And you begin to shout it. I love that. That's why I love that verse. It says, hast thou faith? Have it to thyself as in the presence of God. It says in the Greek, practice it as in the presence of God alone. And sometimes I have to go get alone and I practice it. Hallelujah. I see him coming. I see the people coming. I know that's why he's going to bring us a lot more men. We need people in place. You know what? We're going to have our own place. And I'm not, I, I don't say that to try to hype you up. But the Lord's going to come through. Because, and actually, you need to see it, see. What I long for is people that will go ahead and see it now with me. Amen? Don't you want somebody to see your dream with you? Don't you want somebody to actually say, I can see what God has for you. And you know what? I can agree with it. You're going to do this, man. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Right? But see, that's what the Lord always says. Even if it's not the perfect will of God, our God loves us so much that even if, if it isn't his perfect will, he'll still bless you in it, and he'll guide you out of that into the more perfect will of God later on. I've seen him do it a thousand times. He just wants you to get moving. Father, we, we give you praise that you're a true God. Go ahead and stand up if you would. You're not a man that you should lie. Father, we have your written word. Please help people to look at it, look at the book, even look at the cover. Have them look at it anew. And have them look at it and say, this is God's will. This is God's word. This is the creator's will for life. I can walk in this. He's made me. He's given me the capacity to walk like he said I could walk. I will be able to do all things that he tells me. Because I will never, ever be alone, ever. My God will not, he will not, he will not in any way forsake me or leave me helpless or leave me without support. I can trust him. This word is eternal. This word will never fail. I'm going to keep this word in my mouth. I'm going to let the word go before me and make the crooked places straight. In the name of Jesus. Please do that. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 